0: Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I'm Andrew Scaff.
1: He's Mike Werman. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Royals trade of uh, Aroldis Chapman. Kicking off the beginning of the, uh, the rebuild, I guess, for this season. Yeah, the Royals are sellers. And
2: not buyers, I think. Uh,
1: in early, which is also a little yeah. disappointing. Uh, the MLB draft is coming up uh, in just a couple of days from from the airing of this episode. The warning track power. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that a bit today, and a little NFL news. But uh, we'll kick off today's show with the the highs and lows of being a Royals fan. Uh, Royals somehow won a three game series against one of the best teams in the national league, the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, before dropping five straight games against division. (laughs) Uh, But you think it's harder to go through that kind of roller coaster as a Royals fan, or is it harder to be uh, an LA angels fan this week uh, with um, trout, uh, the uh their shorts uh Rendon Re- and or third baseman I guess Rendon, and uh Shohei Itani all taking injuries maybe out significant time potentially for some of those players. Uh who is it more difficult to be a fan of right now, Royals or Angels as of right now?
2: Well I think it's gotta be the Angels because the Royals proved clearly that they were out of it very very early this year and so like whatever happens like oh they won a couple of games that's great against the dodgers they did actually okay against the rays and the rays are now kind of uh uh spiraling downward it looks like uh (laughs) at least somewhat relatively i think they've lost five straight or something uh six straight uh as of tonight um we're filming on we're recording on Friday, uh, July, July 7th, um, late, late, late night on Friday. So we, we got the late game. So, yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, right now I think the angels you expected, maybe they could do something because they have probably the two best players in baseball. You could say, I, I, I you know, Mike Trout at least used to be considered the number one all around player
1: Multiple-time MVP.
2: Multiple MVPs, usually the war, wins-above-replacement leader.
0: Mm-hmm. And now
2: Shohei Otani is just as good or better because he can pitch and hit. And he win re- the last year? Uh, Otani, um, no, I don't think he... Uh, um, yeah, he he won it. He didn't win it last year. He won it two years ago. Okay. Three. Uh, he was the MVP two, and Cy Young Award number four last year. So he had a. He um, has been won an MVP. It just wasn't last year. Yeah, he's won an MVP last. Year. So he's leading the majors in home runs right now. Yes, he's leading. He's leading the league in slugging, OPS, OPS plus. Um, he's. Oh, Aaron Judge won last year. Aaron Judge won. He had oh, a bunch of home yes. runs. That's it. Yeah, and um, and he's leading. You know, he's got a. He had last so when he so it, he was, yeah, two point three three ERA last year, and he had, um, he hit like thirty five home runs, thirty four yeah. home runs, ninety five rbis last year the year before he hit 46 home runs 2021. and he had a um 3.180 er so he's like he's like a really good pitcher and a really good hitter he right. may not be maybe he is mike pratt level almost on the hitting but he's also like a really good pitcher so like yeah. He's like, you would think that the Angels would be really good. And they've been okay. And Rendon has had a lot of really good seasons. He's like. Not necessarily maybe...
1: with the Angels, though. No. Uh,
2: he's mostly with the
1: Nationals. It he, he seems like he's been injured, I think, for most of his Angels tenure. I think he hasn't played more. I think he's averaged only about like 50 games a season, I think. Yeah. There. His, Even if you contract too, it was like a hundred plus million dollar contract.
2: Yeah. If you, even if you include, you know, exclude 2020, the most games he's played in a season so far for the angels is 58. Yeah. In the last three seasons. He had 50. He was fairly healthy actually in the COVID year. He was the, um, 10th in the MVP race. But yeah, he's been like, he was like the definition kind of like a professional hitter for several Mm -hmm. years. Um, He was, yeah, he was very solid, and then he kind of fell off a cliff a little earlier, maybe than, uh, like Al, you know, than uh, Albert Pujols did, but kind of a simple, maybe sort of a mirrored situation where we hire or we 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 signed this really good player who was really good in the National League for a while. Yep. Played, uh, you know, third base, some even, and. Then on on the tail end of his career, we're signing for this big contract, and he's not been as good. But Pujols was still pretty good for the Angels for a few years. But, yeah. then, he, but then not, but not as good as he was in in, in St. Louis. But um, I guess last year he was good again in St. Louis, and maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he should still try to be kicking kicking it around if he wanted. But he had said he was going to retire already. So uh, former Maple Woods Community College star. Yes. Albert. Porto Sage High School. That's right. Um, Roy- who whom who the Royals? I guess everybody else missed him on the first twelve rounds, or something like that. And I think he was a twelfth rounder.
1: Right. The Royals and twenty eight other teams passed on him. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. But
2: yeah, I think being an Angels fan has to be really, really frustrating. Have they made the playoffs even since twenty fourteen? I don't think so. That was the year that the Royals they, Swep, they swept them, yeah. The Royals swept them, and they were fav- they won the division. Uh, they were favored to win that series, and they had all of their you know great players. Then they were all um, healthy, and yeah, yeah, and They're healthy-ish at least. Anyway, and that was their last. Um. Yeah, oh. that was that was like, Mike Trout was even at that early age was still. Mike Trout, that was his first... 2014 was his first MVP season. He mm. had finished second both years before that. So, like, he was 22 years old. He won his first MVP. Uh, he's won... I guess he's only won three MVPs, Mike Trout.
0: Some of that's yeah. probably
1: fatigue, though, right? I, one of those yeah. years he was injured, maybe, too. Like, he maybe missed a chunk of the season. Of a season. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. yeah. He finished in the top five. In MVP,
2: voting every year from 2012, his rookie season, through 2020. So that's nine seasons in a row he finished in the top five. Not bad. Yeah. And he was one or two in seven of those seasons in the MVP race. Not too shabby. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. He has four second place finishes. He was second in the MVP race his rookie year in 2012, Um, and he was some. Yeah, he didn't play very much. He hasn't played a whole season.
1: You know why he didn't win that that one though? Probably in 2012. Yeah, there's one particular performance that made it. You know, basically, was like why he why he would not have won that year.
2: I I I don't know. is Miguel Cabrera won that when when that one?
1: That was the Triple Crown, yeah. Triple Crown, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so, you'd have you have to win the MVP that season, right? Yeah. If you win the Triple Crown. I love
2: looking at the the voting now. Like in WAR, I guess because Trout plays a much more difficult position. Yeah, he had ten point five WAR that year. Um, uh, Miguel Cabrera was only seven point one, apparently. Yeah. Twenty twelve. But still he had forty-four home runs, hundred and thirty-nine RBIs, batted three thirty. Led the league in OPS, led the league in slugging. That makes yeah. sense. So well, he won it the next year as well. And he batted even higher the next year. Not quite as many home runs. That was the weird twenty thirteen was the weird Chris Davis. Oh yeah, season, Crash Davis season. Crash 50- Davis, Crash Davis. Oh, Crash Davis was a uh, what was that? That was from uh, Bull Durham, I think. Yeah, uh, that was kind of Costner's character. Right. Is Chris was Chris Davis? Was he just Brady Anderson two point oh? Because he had
1: that one giant year, and then so like Brady Anderson was like he was like an all doubles hitter uh-huh. until the one season where he like all of his doubles were home runs. And then, they, and then they went back to you know the old, the old mechanism. After that, right? And yeah, well, this was the ster- height of the steroid era, right? Yes.
2: Or Brady Anderson, yeah, he hit fifty home runs in nineteen ninety six. How many did he hit in nineteen ninety seven? Eighteen. <laughs> he never hit more than twenty four home runs any other season. Yeah. He, yeah, like he's, so like, from from when he became, like, a regular, regular starter, he hit 21 home runs, 13 home runs, 12, 16, 50, 18, 18, 24, 19.
1: Those were his kind yeah. of
2: peak years.
1: And so it seemed like that one year he tried something. And then. Well, he had the same number of doubles as he basically did the other seasons.
2: Yeah. So, something happened, yeah, um yeah, I don't i i it's
1: it was probably a lot of the singles that he that he had before turned into doubles, and all the doubles turned into home runs. <laughs> remember that old thing about the uh about Kaufman Stadium being uh like the heat vortex like draws the ball upward, so. Pop ups yeah, become fly balls, and fly balls become home runs, and yeah.
2: But the, but that wasn't a, but but Coffin Stadium, it's it was traditionally very hard to hit home runs because the, right. the dimensions were so big, and but Camden Yards was a little was a little park, or still is a little park. right. Um, but it's that was really strange. Um, did you know that Brady Anderson led the league in getting hit by pitches? Uh, three times.
1: I I may have known that. I did not know that right now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think we talked about the career hit by pitch. Uh, yeah. We, it, it, I think, was it uh, Jeff Bagwell? or Je- BGO used to get hit all the time. Maybe it was BGO. Uh, for a while, many years, it was Don Baylor was the leader. Right. And, uh, and, um, but yeah, uh, Brady Anderson.
1: So, uh, anything you've noticed from the uh, from the Royals this last week though is—is uh, is there anything that you can tell what's going on? Why do they? What happened? What happened? Why? How did they score nine runs against the Dodgers and then the last, they've only combined for one run in the last three games they played? Now with only I think eleven hits, I think even where where did the where did the hitting go?
2: I don't. Maybe maybe the American League is just much tougher. I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's they've just been really inconsistent, and like you said, their lineups change so often, and it doesn't seem like there's any consistency in
1: who's playing what position and what. um, And you wonder if that. They, they sort of seem to settle the top of the lineup a, a bit more recently. The bottom half has been now just a cycle. But the top half, I've, I think Michael Garcia has gone to the leadoff spot. He's been really good, like really good there. The last week, at least. Yeah. You know, it's like the length of time he's been the leadoff hitter. And they moved Prado down to the four spot. And he looked great in that Dodgers series. Like He was really patient. He had like a 13-pitch at-bat in one game. That really set the tone for, like, the first inning of that that one game, at least, anyway. Like, that when they were doing that kind of stuff, it's it's great, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's tough, otherwise, (laughs) to watch the team, because they're really, really bad. Yeah.
2: I don't... I have no idea what's going on. Their pitching's been bad, their hitting's been bad, and it seems like they just... Don't have talent right now, I guess. But it seemed like there was like maybe talent that was supposed to be coming up and supposed to be, like you know Brady Singer has shown shown a lot of signs of being a good pitcher. A lot of those other
1: he's been uh, solid the last month and a half or so of the season. Yeah, that's true. He's been um, I think Greenkey totally now headed to the injured list with a shoulder issue. Yeah. May actually help the team in some ways because Grinky has been not good at all. Well they did call up one of their prospects this last week, I know, in a situation that I hoped would never happen again. I thought it was a Dayton Moore thing. Well they brought Alec Marsh up Mm -hmm. to start against the Dodgers. As one of my biggest pet peeves is like at least give him a you know a like a softer opening. Than, uh, you know, bringing a guy in to have the fa- the first major league hitter he sees be Mookie Betts, who unsurprisingly hits a home run off of him to start the game. <laughs> why, why put a guy in that situation? Why, why why don't you just call some random guy up that's already played in the majors just to make who was that, that guy? Up? It
2: reminds me of that. Who was that guy that was,
1: um, came from double A
2: to start against the Yankees that one game? It was a Velasquez Eduardo Velasquez is that that that, does that name ring a bell?
1: Well, they had a, they had a guy uh, they did it a couple years ago. Many years time. ago,
0: yeah.
1: That and he was he was really good, but he's been injured this year. Hasn't made it back up to the majors. But yeah, there was a guy. Yes, I'm I'm I am correct here.
2: Uh, 2004. Was oh, a while a while ago. Eduardo Velasquez. Um, he pitched one game against the New York Yankees. Um. Three point three and a third innings pitch, six hits allowed, five runs allowed, five earned runs. And um and that was his only game. So he I think he came and was like there to like, oh, we'll pitch him against the Yankees for some reason. Yeah. And then we'll never hear from him again. And he, he he's pitched one game and he has minus point
1: two war in his career. So that's a lot of war for, yeah, a single appearance, yeah.
2: And then he was, yeah, but, he
1: that kind of stuff. I I was hoping would be done though, right? Like they like that would. I'd hope they would tie that sort of strategy to date more, saying like, oh, we won't do this anymore because this is a bad idea. But uh, it appears to still be here, Mike. <laughs> so it's it's um. It's making me doubt that Piccolo is different than Dayton Moore, and that they may actually have been the same person. And I don't know that we're going to develop anything <laughs> from, this, from this team at any level. I don't him. know. Well, at
2: least, yeah, at, at least Marsh isn't. He's gonna. He's not going to be in Eduardo Viasis Vill- because I, I used to say Velasquez, but he's got two. It's a, it looks like Biases. Yeah. Um, but um, so I was just reading his Wikipedia article. So um uh, he was signed to the by the Rockies originally as a free agent out of Venezuela. And they said uh, Jorge Posada recommended him Yeah, as a player um at that point. He then he started with the Rockies, then he got traded uh to the Royals for Brian Ricar, who played, I guess, briefly R-E-K-A-R. Do you remember how they said his name was it? Reker, Ricar Ricar Ricar, yeah. He pitched two starts with the Royals, uh, allowed twelve runs, and then he got traded to the Rockies, and um, and I guess never played for the Rockies. Um, and then and, and then he played Double A at Wichita, and the Royals called him up to start a game um, in two thousand
1: four. May first, yeah, two thousand four. We, we started with the with the Rockies. That's what I. That's where I remembered it. I didn't even remember that the Royals even had him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so then he went to the
2: Royals in two thousand four. Before two thousand four, and there was called up to start a game against the Yankees in two thousand four. two thousand four, of course, was the year after. The, the crazy 2003 season where the Royals came out of nowhere to finish over 500. And they thought they might actually make the playoffs after being so terrible. And,
0: yeah. then they,
2: and then they really were terrible the year after. And that was the Tony Pena senior managed team. And I think that was the, also the year he jumped in the shower with his clothes on to try to motivate the team. Does that yeah. sound familiar? Yeah. So the so Tony Pena at that point and May 1st, 2004 brought up him to start against the Yankees in Yankee stadium. And then he was sent back to Wichita, and then on May twenty sixth, he was he he had been waived like within a month, and the and the White Sox uh, picked him up, and he uh, went to Double A Birmingham Barons, and then he never appeared in major league game again. So basically, that one game
1: ruined him, or maybe
2: he was never going to make it anyway. So they just decided to throw him up there. But
1: well, that's quite a whirlwind, though. Yeah, it's, it was nine days is all from. Traded to the Royals to waive by the Royals. Yeah.
2: So, was he brought up to like
1: lose that game?
2: Was maybe, that the maybe. reason? That's just so strange.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, although if he's only there for nine days, I, I may not have even made an appearance at the minor league level. Right. Yeah. Maybe just a couple. Yeah. Uh,
2: maybe one start to like get him acclimated or something. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's,
0: it's
1: yeah no, it's that really can't weird. be that can't be right it can't it has to have been longer than that they made he made eight appearances in AAA or yeah, AA okay wichita.
2: they made although they developed him in May 2002 so he'd been there for a little while it says 2004 is when he played then he played in went to wilmington and then was injured and then he went up to wichita Oh, it was, it was
1: two years and nine
2: days. Yeah, yeah two years nine days.
1: Okay. <laughs> I just looked at the date. I just thought it was the same year. Ah.
2: Yeah, that was the... Um, that was such a strange... He was sent back to Wichita. And then he um, did okay in Wichita, but then he got put on waivers for some reason. Yeah, and then the then the A's got him, and then he was actually decent in the minors, but then uh, later that year, but then he wasn't very good, and um, flamed and out. He had, the, he had that weird start. Yeah, so that's what when you talked about putting Alec Marsh in that position, I thought of Eduardo. I guess I couldn't remember his name until I just like just now. Just clicked, um, yeah, yeah, Eduardo Velasquez, um, or Viasis uh, and. Yeah, so I think yes, yeah, it's the, like it's not unheard of. This is you know, we're dating ourselves now. We're, because we because we we really remember those early two thousands teams, uh, and you know those are, that's you know nineteen seasons ago. But it seems like it wasn't very long ago to me. Yeah. And so this is one reason why I I still think of the Royals as winning the World Series pretty recently, but that was eight years ago now. Right. And they were they almost won it nine years ago. So I, you know, we're old, but. It happens. Happens. Yeah, it has, it's going to happen to the rest of our viewers too when they get old, or has already happened to them. Probably, uh, although I'm sure we have a very youthful demographic because we're always on the cutting edge and uh, very, 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 very exciting. So with our um, old timey uh, stories, uh, I it was Huey Jennings. I remember was was the was the career hit by pitch leader. Oh, we talked right. about. You talked by Huey for a while, he was a Hall of Famer. Um, but I looked up Brady Anderson. Brady Anderson was actually number 21 all time in being hit by a pitch, uh-huh. so uh, he was, I guess, a plate crowder. Uh, and usually think of those plate crowders as being power hitters, but I guess uh, Biggio really wasn't, but um, yeah, you know, Don Baylor was, and, and some of the other guys, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't know what I back to the Royals, I don't know what they're thinking and why they're so bad but do you think that this year's draft is going to make them better in the near or long
1: future do you you have any idea what they're going to do in the draft that's coming up this weekend we've been looking at this for a little while and you know we know the royals have a lot of needs to address like it's unfortunate that the major league team is not good but also the minor league system is Pretty decimated, especially at the high level. The A triple A, most of the players that were considered prospects are now already on the major league team. Yeah. And you're probably not gonna build that tier out of the draft from this year, anyway. No. So it- but they did they did make a trade as a lead up to the mm-hmm. draft where they did get a triple A major league. Quadruple A sort of level player. Yeah. To maybe help fill in that. And that's usually how you would try to fill in that high level, you know? So if you're trying to like re- rebuild a team at multiple levels at the same time, you kind of have to have a multi tiered strategy to it. I don't think that they're capable of coming up with how to do it.
0: Yeah.
2: I, so, um, yeah, the Chapman
1: trade. Was you think that was a little early in the uh trade season? Could well, be a little more, maybe? Or, I mean, like, wait, you know, oh, okay,
2: it's like it's not early because you're gonna wave the white flag back at May 1st, but yeah, um, I think you maybe so, it I mean, is, but maybe you think it's
1: over. But I mean, usually you, you you know, you can sort of build value over time, and you know, the closer to the trade deadline you get, and you might get more return maybe. for your, but, but your, you also um, might yeah. think,
2: well, we'll get more, you will. Uh, the other team will get more of the season with that player. So maybe they'll give up more earlier because rather than getting, you know, August and September for a player this way, they get July, August, September, uh, they get an extra month. So maybe you think that like the bidding war can't ramp up, but like, maybe you think they'll give it more for three months rather than two months. That could be the, um, Uh. Uh. that, Uh. that, I guess that, you know, that, that could be the reasoning, but yeah. yeah uh, Chapman, uh, was,
1: yeah, traded to the Rangers. And for Cole Reagans, Cole Reagans. Yeah. And Roni Cabrera, 17 year old Dominican player and hmm. the, uh, in the, uh, Dominican league, summer Dominican league in, uh, Nick Cabrera, I guess, is a
2: lottery ticket, probably.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: he's only 17, Dominican player. Maybe he'll turn into something. Uh, Cole Reagan's, I guess, is more of a defined commodity. He's pitched in the majors a couple of seasons off and on. He was a first round draft pick in 2016, I think. So he was a, a pretty solid prospect. I think the Royals, as, before we went on, you mentioned that they were maybe really trying to, he was been a reliever mostly uh, for the Rangers. You think maybe they're trying to stretch him into a starter and he's been okay at Omaha in his first couple of starts.
1: I think he was he was a starter in the minor in the Rangers minor league system, but I think they, they needed him as a reliever, so they brought him up as a reliever last season. He started this season as a reliever and then faltered, I think, in the last couple of appearances, so they sent him back down. And then, you know, the addition of Chapman means that. If he's taking over for Reagans, and they've got much better bullpen immediately, so like the yeah. Raiders improved dramatically. They have a good,
2: they have a solid uh, back end now with with Chapman, and then uh, former Royals uh, relief pitcher and uh, former fresh, fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, Will Smith uh, in the uh, on the, on their team. One of one of two Will Smiths in the NBA two. leagues right? Yeah. Was <laughs>
1: a Will Smith catcher for the uh, for the Dodgers
2: too. Okay, this is well this is Will Smith the pitcher in yes. Royal. Uh he went for the he got traded to the Angels was in 2016 2017 one of those years right after the Royals won the World Series when they thought um maybe they can bring in a couple pieces and and, and try to uh, recapture the glory of the early season and they they never quite were able to do that. They had too
0: many injuries and things like that. Uh
2: so um but yeah, I think Chapman trading trading him. I guess we had thought, well, maybe they should have used him as the closer more rather than the eighth inning guy, and maybe they would have showcased him more. But I guess they, you know they got what they wanted out of him.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: and yeah, you know, so they would. I guess they did it right there.
1: But maybe I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll see over the we'll next see what happens with Regan's. Yeah, I guess couple of we'll, years. I guess and, and they only really had one year Carrera. of Chapman likely. I don't think he was going to make it on the, you know, to stick around with the Royals for multiple seasons. I don't Is think. Is Cabrera related too.
2: to uh, Miguel Cabrera? I don't know, or Miguel Melky Cabrera, Cabrera.
0: <laughs> or
1: <laughs> I don't know
2: any of those other uh, Cabrera uh, ball players. Uh, that's that's been a pretty good. Yeah, uh, as, Drew, as Drew Ball Cabrera was pretty good. Orlando Cabrera was pretty good. Yes. Um, there's some there's some younger players. Uh, in the majors, Osvaldo Cabrera, and, uh, uh Cabrera, uh, have been, uh, Edward Cabrera. You know, there's, there's been a lot. There's been a lot of Cabreras.
1: Yeah, but that is that is kind of the strategy to sort of rebuild the high end of the minor league system is through through trades, right? You're trading a major league player for a couple of prospects potentially. Yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't really get a whole lot from the uh, trades they made last season. I don't know that any of it's really panned out the way they'd hoped from last year. So, uh, you know, it's, you know, hoping that they can do it is probably not a great bet, at least, anyway. <laughs> at that level. But the draft is coming up. Draft is coming up. So you know that's the that's the way to rebuild the lowest level of the minor league system. The Royals have four picks in the top 75.
2: Yeah, you, so you think that's pretty good. The the first is number 8 and which you would maybe if you you would say well we would like a higher number because you think at least you know the higher is better, but the major league baseball draft is fairly
1: unpredictable
0: mm-hmm.
1: well so so if you're trying to rebuild multiple levels of your system you may want to as a strategy draft older players mm-hmm. to try to that may make it to the you know high a maybe by the end of next season into the double a area potentially but uh you know, those guys will eventually graduate either way. So you could go really young or you could go really old as a, as a strategy as a whole, at least anyway. I would think that they would want to build, get as many college players this season. That's that's what I would assume they would want to do. But I don't know if that's what they're actually going to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. DeRoz best drafts
2: in the, you know, the last 25 years were high school players Uh, other than, other than maybe Alex Gordon, their best draft picks have been, you know, Zach Greinke, Mike Moustakas, Eric Hosmer. It's been those, you know, high school guys. Yeah. um, You know, at least in the first round, it's been the high school guys that have done something. Um, A lot of those high school guys have also like been big whiffs, like, um, you know, uh, the, you know, um, no, uh, what, what, what were the uh, uh, 2015, 2016 Ash Russell, Nolan Watson kind of draft oh, where neither of them have made made it. You know, there've been there've been a lot. You know, there've been a lot of um, misses. But I guess it seems like there's misses for every team. But it seems like for a team like the Royals who don't really buy a lot of players, misses in the draft are much more costly than they are for you know. The Dodgers or something yeah. like that, and then of course the Dodgers are also drafting better, it seems like, or at least developing better players than Else. Royals.
1: Um, so I think their their top player in their in their uh, prospect lists, I think, was their number one pick from last year, was a college player. Yeah. So Gavin Cross, Gavin Cross, yeah, he's at High A right now, which is you know one season in, he's already at High A, so mm-hmm. that's, that's a, not bad. Not bad. So, I mean, you you, maybe, you you know, as a strategy, you'd want to try to find more guys like that so you can get them up into the higher tiers faster than if you draft, like, a high school kid. It might take them a little longer to get up to the upper levels of the system, unless they're just outstanding athletes, right?
0: Yeah.
2: But at at number eight, the Royals could get a pretty good player, but uh, historically, I'd say they're only... Three really good players ever that were drafted at number eight overall. Okay.
1: <laughs> you think the slots are actually meaningful? I don't
2: know. Well, I'm just looking, I was looking at the slots earlier. So the best player active right now who was drafted at number eight overall is, is currently on one of the Royals' big rivals. Uh, the Cleveland, uh, or actually, he started out with one of the Royals' big rivals, uh, the Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians. And now he's on the Mets. That's Francisco Lindor.
1: Um, okay, that's all right. He's, he's been worth forty war. If you could find a um, Lindor in there, that'd be all right. But
2: yeah, uh, Kyle Freeland, uh, in 2014, he's been the only really, really significant, uh, number eight overall pick, seventeen and a half war for the Rockies and uh, he's been a a decent kind of average pitcher, he's 53 and 60 overall record, 4.34 ERA, uh 17.5 WAR as accumulated. But like uh so I, I think Lindor has been a really really good player. The last guy before that who was really 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 good was uh, Todd Helton, sort of borderline maybe Hall of Fame possible he go back you, like 20 years though yeah so he was picked in the in the number eight overall by the Rockies in
1: 1995. yeah uh um, more like closer to 30 years. 30 years yeah <laughs>
2: um we we had before we went on the air we mentioned Jim Abbott uh he was yes. also number eight uh uh a number eight uh pick he was worth about 20 war in his career uh, the third highest war, so right now, Lynn Doors was about 39.8, according to Baseball Reference, and uh, Todd Helton was 61.8. Um, the um, third highest is a former royal. He didn't start out as a royal, but he became a royal. He was an addition to the royals. From Pittsburgh, he came along with Jeff, uh, with um, who who was the uh, who was the who was the player that played one year for the Royals and then like retired? He was the first baseman.
1: Yeah, it was it was um, King right? Jeff, Jeff King. King Jeff King. I was like Jeff. It wasn't Jeff Kent. Jeff King. He came in the but Jeff Kent King. was the other. Yeah. He came he and then fell he off was... his truck. Well, fell off his truck washing. Yeah. Oh, it fell washing his truck or something. Washing he... his truck was like, yeah.
2: But, but he actually was, doing... it was
1: like in a motorcycle accident or something. Yeah, a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, it was Jeff King. He came with Jeff King. It was Jay Bell. And Jay Bell had one really good season for the yeah. Royals. And then he played for the Diamondbacks or the. I think it was the Diamondbacks for several years. And um, he ended up uh yeah he played for the so he was with the pirates for many years and then he played one year for the royals he hit twenty one home runs and he was a really good player at short uh but then he went to the he only stayed in that one year and um but yeah he is like the other the third most successful career um number eight overall hmm. pick. So there haven't been a lot of them. So it it uh maybe the Royals are not in a good slot. I don't know. The slots are.
1: I mean, they've also tended to sort of draft down a bit to try to save some money. Uh-huh. Is that something they should be doing now? Or should they be spending as much money as they can to try to rebuild as fast as they can? I think they need to. Or are they just not good at evaluating talent? So they shouldn't spend any money at all. Yeah, just and just use the Baseball America list or the uh,
2: ESPN prospects list. Yeah, that's, I don't.
1: That's a strategy. I think they should just pick whoever's the best available. At the time, I think some. But, I think something like that. But something they also probably should consider, though, too. You're talking about players that are maybe cracking the majors four years from now. Should they be thinking about Sal's replacement? Should they be looking at a catcher to take pretty high in the draft?
2: Well, they had With, Melendez as,
1: as that kind of guy. I don't think they're going to have him catch anymore, though. It doesn't seem like it.
2: You think they'd bring him back because once once Sal leaves, or I don't know. I don't know.
1: Um there there is a catcher right around there that's been sort of like talked about as a Royals potential pick, probably because of the you know, the timing of it. Was it Kyle Teal?
0: Ooh.
1: Is he's ranked right around eight, I think, for the uh yeah, Kyle Teal, catcher from Virginia
2: okay I hadn't I was thinking they, I was thinking they're probably gonna take a high school pitcher
1: yeah and so there, exactly. there are a few pretty highly rated pitchers that are not though that are likely to go earlier
0: than uh-huh.
2: yeah I don't think they'll get any of those like uh, like Paul Skeens, you know lSU guy
0: he's Letting gonna go like here. one two or
2: three probably um maybe not any of those top college guys but there was a um I thought it seemed like that uh, Noble Meyer was the number one um, high yeah. school pitcher You're in. and he's ranked anywhere from like eight to 20. What I've seen mm-hmm. these lists. So
1: he seems like a potential. Um, he, he has, I think a Dayton Moore pick written all over him. <laughs> His name is Noble. He's a high school kid. The name of the high school he's going he even goes to is Jesuit High. It's mm-hmm.
0: like
1: there's like an implied religious background undertones there. That's a yeah, that's God. a Dayton Moore pick all the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, the day Moore's
1: Protestant, so maybe he wouldn't pick a a Catholic
2: pitcher. But uh, yeah, also <laughs> Noel Meyer, maybe his name's a little too close to Urban Meyer, who had um, a kind of ignominious end to at least. What it seems like an end to his uh, coaching career, at least in an NFL
1: coaching career. He's but, gonna pop up somewhere, Mike. Don't worry, just don't worry about that. He'll be somewhere, <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, uh, yeah, Kyle Teal,
2: uh, out of Virginia, yeah. He could be a, um, he's seen at least on fangraphs, they say he's a low risk key player. Um, mm-hmm. and the, but the number one player that they have is Dylan Cruz. And mm. he is seen as a high risk, and and uh, yeah. Noble Myers a high risk. I think any high school player they think is a high risk, but like there are only like two or th- there's only a handful of low risky guys that that uh, FanGraphs mentions. Yeah, uh, and and I don't know whose lists are better uh, than than others. I've just we we've looked at some of these same yeah lists the the MLB draft uh MLB.com. um prospect rankings actually has teal at number seven overall and noble Meyer at number eight um so i think i think pitching is what they're going to try to do i think they're going to throw as many pitching prospects as they can like um against the wall and see if any of them stick so and the royals
1: then... have 21 picks in the draft how many of them do you think will be pitchers for the, the royals will select
2: i think a majority i think i want to say at least 13 um because I think it's – I don't know if it's easier to fight hitters, but it seems like they want like, – since they, have, they have a lot of early-round picks, I think they're going to try to at least – out of the of the first four, in the first 75, I think they're going to want to maybe pick at least three out of those four to be pitchers. And I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to kind of emulate that 2018 draft. Yeah. Where um, the top – they had – in 2018, they had five of the first 58 picks. Yeah. And all five of them were college pitchers. Yep. And they took Kyle Isbell uh, with number 94. Um, How many of those
1: and, guys made the majors? Uh, four of them. Only Jonathan Bolin hasn't. So it's Brady Singer. It's Jackson. Close. I think he's supposed to make. I think he'll be up there this later this year, likely. Okay. Well, So Brady
2: Singer, Jackson Kelowar. Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich have all made uh, the majors. Kyle Isbell has made it. Um, left-handed pitcher Austin Cox,
1: there—he's uh, on the roster, I think, now too. Fifth-round pick
2: has made it. Yeah, so well,
1: like, he, he may have just been sent down, actually, but he's been—he's made a few starts even for the Royals.
2: Yeah, I so I I think the pitchers, I think, because they're all like we had mentioned, because of the shrinking minor leagues, there aren't as many uh, picks anymore, so they only have twenty.
1: Twenty round.
2: uh, rounds, so it seems like there's going to be a lot of more minor league friends. And traditionally, it seems like the Royals hitters, a lot of them have been from lower rounds that have been pretty good. Mm-hmm. And other than like, you know, their like big, big splash, high round prospects. None of their hitters have been great. Like, you know, like Whit Merrifield was there was the most successful drafting last ten years and He was a
0: tenth rounder or something like that,
2: and I I so I think the pitcher I think they're gonna go pitching, that old uh, Dayton Moore line pitching is the currency of baseball. Well, if you have a bunch of pitching prospects, maybe we can flip those into a hitter or something like that. So I I yeah, I'm just thinking pitching and since college pitchers are the kind of money ball strategy, I would say that maybe the Royals should just zag when people should when when the other big guys are zigging and
1: we'll go prep go yeah. Go, at least for uh, that first round, you just hope they just take the best available guy, right? And not even think yeah. about it. Just take whoever's best of it. Don't try to go, don't try to pick down, like, 30 picks. Yeah. <laughs> just try to save a few dollars. Right. Yeah, it's just take the yeah. best of it. If somebody's, if somebody's like, slipping, just grab them.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, from where where they're expected to be, right? That's I mean, that's what I would hope they would do at least anyway, but...
2: Yeah, I guess some, I all, know, you want to, just worry just, if somebody slips right. because they're... Because he's injured or something like that, or he's got like a you know some sort of congenital defect, heart defect, or something that he's yeah. um, had. But like it seems like, uh, yeah. So the Royals. Um, so if you look at uh, war, yeah. Uh, so the, I was because I want to say because Zach Grinky was that kind of zag whenever it was zigging. Uh, he was actually, um. The Royals picking... So this was during the... Who was that? Um, Before... um, Before Dayton
1: Moore... That um, uh, so was a... How was his name? Paul? It was... Something maybe? No. Was that before that even? This uh, was Howard Baird. This was Howard Baird. It was oh, Howard Howard. Baird. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was uh, almost there. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Howard I couldn't Baird. remember it either. Uh, yeah. Howard Baird. Howard um, Baird. And they were... And so in, if you read Moneyball... Um, yeah, they were making fun of the Royals draft because they picked a high school pitcher and, um, uh, you know, Billy Bean and Michael Lewis was writing the book. We're kind of crowing about, well, the Royals are idiots and we're picking these college players and they're going to be, you know, they're, 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 they're more polished. They have higher floors than high school players because those are all hit and miss. So we're going to pick this better draft. But the Royals picked the best player in that draft who was a high school pitcher, number six overall. That was Zach Grinke. Um, Grinke is actually the second most successful, Uh, at least by my cursory look, second most successful in terms of war, sixth overall pick of any, uh, any sixth overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is higher for example than uh Gary Sheffield Derek Jeter uh Anthony Rendon who we talked about earlier was a he was a 6 uh, pick 6th round pick a uh, former royals slugger son six 6th round 6 the number of 6 pick, overall pick first yeah. round pick yes right former, former royals uh, slugger John Mayberry who was uh a 6 6 overall pick by the Astros in 1967 uh Kevin McReynolds also uh briefly uh a royal uh in that horrible trade that they traded uh sabre Saberhagen uh to the Mets and they got uh Kevin McReynolds and Greg Jeffries and uh Chris swing Miller, Jeff Miller, Chris Miller, uh and really horrible trade. Yeah. Uh but McReynolds stayed along, stayed around for a while. But uh he was uh Andy Van like pretty good player, um, but uh, only Barry Bonds has been worth
1: more, okay, <laughs>
0: more
2: than uh Zach Grinky.
1: yeah, in his career. So and maligned by Billy Bean and yeah, yeah. So like,
2: that was uh, kind of the Royals' best draft pick for a long time. Um, so yeah, Zach Grinky has also been. Uh, Only uh, Clayton Kershaw was a number seven overall pick. Um, he's number one all time. It looks like for number sevens, uh, he has seventy nine point five war, so slightly over Grinky. Uh, uh, did you know Zach Grinky also has more career war than the second most uh uh, decorated number seven overall pick? That was Frank Thomas, Hall of Famer, seventy three point eight. So those those are so like, you know, he's one of the like uh, in that range um he's yeah you know the players you could get number 5 overall uh Keaton is better than every number 5 overall pick in history in terms of war from 1965 when the first draft was he is better than every number 4 overall pick in history as well and that includes dave winfield hall of Famer uh, Thurman Munson was also a number four overall pick. Uh, former uh, royal and famous brother of an even more famous royal, Ken Brett, was uh, uh, the number four overall pick by the Red Sox in 1966. He was, I don't know if you remember him, uh, he was supposed to be the best of the Brett brothers. Uh, he was a pitcher and a hitter. Yeah. He was only kind of a marginal, kind of decent uh, Major leaguer. Um yeah, Dave Winfield, Barry Larkin, Kevin Brown are both uh, number four overall picks, but I uh, think he has out award them in terms of baseball reference, anyway. Um,
1: yes. Number three. drop over... off, though. There's only like 20 or so guys. Yeah. Have like 10 plus
2: war. Yeah. Number three. If you look at number three overall picks, uh, only Robin Yount is higher than Zach Greinke and that's by less than one war so if Greinke yeah. plays a little longer you can and Paul Molitor was also a number um uh uh three overall pick so the Brewers uh, a few years apart number 3 overall drafted Robin Yount and Paul Molitor um and Bobby Witt senior was also a number 3 Oof. overall pick what was Bobby Witt Jr.? What was his? Was he? Uh, he was number two overall pick for the Royals. So Bobby Witt Jr. went one pick higher than his than father. The... Uh, Bobby Witt Senior. was worth um a about six. I think sixteen. Uh, fourteen point six WAR. Uh, in his career, he was a right-handed pitcher, Ooh. but um. Yeah, so like it's one of those things where you don't exactly know who the um, Justin Verlander was the number two overall pick. He is the highest number two overall pick in terms of WAR, even above Reggie Jackson. Uh, but uh, Grinky is only about one or two WAR under Verlander, and he's above Reggie Jackson. So like this is one of the most successful picks. In the first round kind of in history in the top 10 it seems like yeah you know, other other than probably number one um i'm looking at number one alex rodriguez 117 plus war chipper jones 85 king griffey 84 um yeah there have only been three number one overall picks uh that were worth more career war than zachary so like he's like top Five or top ten, by top the, ten anyway yeah. of a top top five or top ten of a top ten draft pick.
0: Yeah,
2: in major league draft history in terms yeah. of WAR, which is
1: in the line Yeah,
2: and which is something also that you think well, this was when Howard Baird they thought was really a bad general manager and stuff like that, but he had really good drafts, and it was just that the Royals didn't spend any money and yeah, and also that you know really good players in the in the major league draft you don't know um where they're gonna be coming from. And right. Right, at least it's somewhat it's even somewhat random.
1: Well, it's the it's, it's the nature versus up. nurture yeah, sort of argument in uh in a professional sport, right? It's the uh you know how much of these players are you know nurtured by the team to develop into a major league player and how much of it is just sheer athleticism that they just already have Guiding them through maybe a system that is you know not not so good. Yeah. So like, like the year that um uh, who who was the uh, relief pitcher that the Royals had that went from the College World Series to the World Series in the same Brandon season? Finnegan.
2: Brandon Finnegan. Yeah. Brandon
1: Finnegan. Would you say that the, that the Royals, you know, did anything to develop him, or did he just, you know, find himself in a circumstance that allowed him to just shoot through the system and? end up at the major league club.
2: He's only with the team a few months.
1: So <laughs>
2: maybe you could say they tweaked something that got him a little better short-term. He wasn't, a, he, he hung around for a few years, several years. I think maybe he's, is he still bouncing around? Um, but I was looking more at more at the draft, like you know, the other Royals traditionally have, they also have the, num- the best number nine overall pick in history. <laughs> and that is Kevin Apier. Ah. 54 and a half more. He's been better. and than... uh, kind of well outpacing anybody. Barry Zah was about thirty-two. And that's about it. Um, in terms of Mark Kotze was up there. Um actually uh not not a not like a royals connection, but a Chiefs connection. Uh Steve Bouchel, uh the father of Royals backup quarterback uh Shane Bouchel. Uh, was a number one, was number nine overall pick by the um, White Sox, but he did not sign with the White Sox uh, uh, that year. He signed, I guess, later and was the um, uh, he really kind of screwed up. He went to Stanford and then which is i guess good but he was a first round draft pick in 1979 and then he became a fifth round draft pick in 1982 uh so he lost uh four rounds worth of money um but um yeah yeah there's been yeah some interesting uh players so like
1: yeah of in the top 10 the um it looks like 10 is better than 9 for, like, your average, and it is better than I because there's the yeah, other you have Robin Ventura, you have uh, Mark McGuire there, Ted Simmons,
2: kind of borderline Hall of Fame candidate. Um, uh, Eric Chavez was pretty good for a while. Madison Bumgarner, still around, who's kind of tailed off after his very, very good beginning of his career. But yeah, it's, it's like it's, um, yeah, number of. Yeah, number eleven. It goes down, so it kind of goes down a little bit each time on average. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it's not
1: uniform and right. Like but even, it's, very, it's really it's a crapshoot though as to what yeah. you're actually going to get because it's not you're not picking a guy that's going to play on your major league roster like immediately. This is somebody that's going to have to go through potentially you know three to five or six or seven years of development before they they make it to the majors. So like your expectation level has to be you know, fit with that timeline too. So the, uh, you know, expecting to like have this draft, like fix the Royals, you know, just throw that out as a concept, right? This is a, this is going to take time. It's not going to be an immediate anything, right? So, yeah.
2: It does seem like teams are getting better at scouting and drafting because there seem like there are more misses very early in the, like in the 60s and 70s that Denver made the majors than later.
1: Yeah, um, so I guess teams are getting b- better, but uh, yeah, like, um, I think a lot of that's probably just about like the like you know, having like digital recording devices, yeah, that you can take back. So I mean, you're not just relying on somebody's word from five uh-huh. minutes like, sitting in the stands at a high school,
0: uh-huh.
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And it's like, oh, this guy's
2: fast, he's gonna translate, or like these are all high school players, and we don't, they're more hit and mess, probably, or yeah, um. But yeah, it does go downhill, and you and yeah, so like I guess you know you ideally you would want it higher than um you know higher rather uh, like a you know or ordinarily higher uh than yes. uh lower, if, but if you get if you had your choice you want
1: one but if you yeah, yeah like number
2: one isn't hasn't proven really to be much better than. Yeah. These other, but if, you're short, if you're
1: just you know selecting, you're like, Oh, I get to pick which one I want, I want the first guy, right? I mean, that's yeah, you like know, number if, 15, you don't have to like play off anybody else, so like, you don't have to like adjust to what somebody else does, yeah. you just get to pick. Like, first.
2: Yeah, like number 15 for overall for a while hasn't been that good for a while, uh, at least not since uh, Chase Utley. Scott Casimir had a very really good career, but he's injured all the time, uh, but there's been since uh 2005 there's been one 10 plus player yeah plus war player number 15 overall um we're and but whereas in uh 2004 uh there have been since there' have been several but Billy Butler was uh uh a 2004 uh, number 14 overall hmm.
0: uh,
2: but he's worth about 12 war overall um yeah it's been it's been one of these things where you can't count on the draft really and it's it's been a really i don't know so like i don't and, and and if you can't count on the draft and you're really trying to like pick the right guys i don't i maybe it's not even worth investing time or money in because you don't know what it is and why, why don't least, you just
1: at least time and money into the preparation for the draft right yeah you want to yeah. yeah i mean you still want to spend the money on the players to try to develop them but i just think you don't want to spend the time and money on like a bunch of analysts trying to decide which player to take like i think if you just like say pull up you know, fan graphs or whatever and look at their prospect list just take the best available guy it's probably going to be better than whatever you have come up with because the team has shown time and again and they don't know what they're doing
2: yeah this is <laughs> one of those things <laughs> when we talk about making
1: expectations
2: we talk about doing this project we kind of talk more about it with the nfl but like would it have been better just to follow the draft experts and just pick their best player, player available and like use that kind of wisdom of crowds and and do that rather
1: than like thinking you're you're going to get it i don't think we've talked about it on here so much no
2: not as much uh this is one thing that we wanted we were kind of working on um kind of got sidetracked because i'm 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 studying for the bar exam now and i haven't really done any work uh, other outside stuff in the last two months but um but yeah, you had done a lot of work on the on, on the baseball draft uh in the last few weeks and and on the NFL draft. But um like yeah, it seems like really nobody knows what they're doing when they're drafting. Football is more predictable than baseball.
1: But there's not there's not the development strategy after you draft too, because you're drafting players are gonna be on the team potentially in the same season, right? Yeah. So, I mean that—that's where you use like you know the equation also has like you know time in it, and once time gets introduced, it's I think it just throws everything off as a as a scaling factor, right?
2: Yeah, this is something that I guess probably majorly play baseball. Baseball teams have done,
1: but like, yeah, it's it's, it's been well, so so if you if the, say you looked at the uh, sporting news list. The Royals uh-huh. would select Kyle Teal, catcher, college catcher. Ty Floyd in the second round, his right handed pitcher, college player, also. 66, they'd pick uh, Travis Honeyman, an outfielder, also a college player. 75th pick, they'd pick a high school right handed pitcher, Xander Muth. Do you okay. think you see any of those names called on uh, July 9th?
2: I like the high school pitcher names the most because I think that's what they're going to go for. I don't know why. Um Teal, with, Teal mean, is a possibility.
1: Vince, though, I think they would just two pitchers, an outfielder, yeah. and, a, and a potentially a catcher that could replace Sal and, Yeah, like, you know, five. It, or if six you look, yeah,
2: I, I, let's okay. So let's look at the major league MLB uh, dot com one. Yeah. So Teal is number seven overall. So like Noble Meyer, we well, mentioned one, yeah. is number is eight. So like he, he would be eight. Uh, number forty-four. They have is Roch or Roche, Uh, Cholowski, shortstop, um, named after apparently uh, the, uh, plague, Saint Saint Roch, Saint Roche,
1: uh, most, who likely. Was most a, likely named after. Right? Uh,
2: <laughs> I assume, uh, he's got a kind of a Slav, a a, a uh, um, Eastern European name, so maybe he is, uh, Catholic. He's also a um. Uh, so if you see a High if you see
0: shortstop.
2: in art a saint with a dog who um' is like has a dog with him usually that's Saint Rush because uh the dog apparently would uh lick the wounds of Saint rush uh because he was the because he was um had the plague and nobody would care for him other than this dog who would lick his wounds that, that actually comes from a, a biblical story where um the uh the it's uh, called the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and the rich man uh, did not uh, allow this leper Lazarus at his table and Lazarus uh, the only thing that uh, brought Lazarus any relief was these uh, dogs that would lick his wounds and his sore his festering sores and then uh, in this parable that Jesus was telling Lazarus um, went uh, to heaven where he... Uh, was in the bosom of Abraham and uh, the rich man uh, sometimes called divas or uh, uh, he uh, went to hell and he was always, he was devoured by demons and uh, he cried up to Lazarus out of hell uh, trying to, uh, uh, you know, get, get, get relief. Um, And that was the parable. It was a different, a different Lazarus than the Lazarus, uh, other Lazarus in the Bible.
1: Different Lazarus
2: that yeah, was not the Lazarus that was raised uh, from the dead, uh, uh, but Jesus, but it was one of these parables of the afterlife. Um, anyway, uh, I used to, <laughs> I used to teach that parable, uh, someone when I, when I taught, uh, uh, medieval history and, 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 uh, things like that. It was a, it was a commonly, uh, used story in, in, in saints lives, but, uh, that kind of thing, but, uh, that St. Roche, yeah, going on, uh, Roche, uh, uh, Cholofs, probably, maybe Cholovsky. C-H-O-L-O-W-S-K-Y. He is from Hamilton, Arizona. And he's a high school player. Mm-hmm. Um, then number 75 pick... 66 first. Oh, 60, oh, 66 pick would be... If I can find it again, I think I... It's I, an Arkansas guy. Yeah, Arkansas guy. Um I lost it. I lost I, I went when I when I clicked on uh Roche, I It's
1: Jace Brofen? Jace, yes. Jace Jace, Jacey.
2: Probably Jace. Um and a college outfielder. College outfielder. So that's not, you know, I, I would say that's 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 possible. Uh, I think the that's last crazy. Arkansas, no, I, think the last Arka- I think the last Arkansas outfielder they took that high was Brett Eibner, and he didn't yeah. really pan out. Although they've had some Arkansas players, I think since then was Jason Isbell? Was he Arkansas? I don't know. Not Jason Isbell. Uh, Kyle Isbell. Jason Isbell is a, um, a musician. Musician, yeah. He was in the exactly. drive drug by truckers and now he does solo stuff. Um Kyle as well. Um yeah he no he was UNLV, UNLV. Hmm. Um and number 75 I see now is Will Gasparino out uh, high school outbuilder Harvard Westlake California.
1: So so they just took best available based on just draft analyst at, at MLB.com. Yeah. Yeah, they'd end up with two outfielders, a shortstop, and one pitcher. Hmm. Three high school, one college. You would you would you prefer that strategy? Or do you think you'll see any of those names called by the Royals this weekend?
0: I
2: I like the Noble Meyer pick for some reason. Yeah. And I think I but I also think that if but teal isn't a bad pick either.
1: I don't I think if they pick noble Meyer. It's going to be a bad draft. That's just my guess is because you know he's listed lower on some of the other draft boards. and
0: he's I don't think that,
1: I don't think that's the right strategy for the Royal that the Royals need for now. I think they need to build at the higher levels and they need to pick as many guys that could have the potential to be at the higher levels as fast as they can can. He he right. is considered I mean, to be like if they if they pick a prep pitcher first, then they're probably following the Dayton Moore playbook, and we already have sort of decided that that was not supposed to be the path that the Royals are on because they fired Dayton
0: Moore. Yeah,
2: <laughs> right. I, I yeah. yeah I I like Myers still because he's tall. He's six five, so he's tall. Yeah, and he was considered to be the best, even like. Players that, uh, places that, excuse me, didn't have him that high, still thought of him as the best high school pitcher. So like, like one of your strategies at one point you had mentioned was like, well, let's do something. Maybe we can get the best of a certain type of player and not necessarily get the second or third best of a certain type of player. Where
1: Yeah. um, So if there's a run on right-handed pitchers and you're picking eighth, the first seven selections are right-handed pitchers probably don't take one at eight. Yeah, but he's a yeah he's the high school right hand pitcher. Um, the top and, and as
2: you said, teal is the top catcher. Mm-hmm. Top shortstop, at least uh, according to MLB, is not is only their number tenth. Um, overall player Jacob Wilson from Grand Canyon High School shortstop number eleven. Third twelve is also a shortstop. So like, um, there aren't that many catchers. There's only two catchers in the top uh 50 pitches uh, players according to MLB yeah only two catchers in the
1: top 100
2: according to MLB
1: right so if you're if your strategy is you want to take a catcher and teal gets taken in the first seven picks don't go down and get the next catcher is what what I what I would say they shouldn't do right mm-hmm. Pick from the position group. Pick the best available from a different position group, right?
2: Although the second best catcher isn't much lower than the first best catcher. Yeah, uh, he is number fourteen overall, like Mitchell, high school. So, like, you could say, well, Teal is the best college catcher. Mitchell is the best high school catcher. So maybe you well, can think
1: so, of so, I mean, that argument. You could you could sort of create two different position groups within a single, you know, category. So it's not just catchers. It's yeah. College catchers and college and in high school catchers. So then you're basically creating a second tier, yeah, with or a that's second amazing. category, a subcategory within the same you know overall yeah. tier.
2: That's maybe why I was thinking maybe that's why Noble Meyer might be picked high because he's the number one of the of the high school pitchers,
1: pitchers that are. From and high there's
2: school. not a pitcher, at least not according to um, MLB, that's like the next highest ranked high school pitcher is. Number 24, almost white. He's the first left-handed pitcher of any kind mm. in the MLB list. So he's also 6'5". So I think that might be a good
1: pick. Um, I mean, not if you're 8th, but you don't want to pick somebody that's ranked that low, though. I wouldn't think. Well, if you think he's the best left-handed pitcher
2: in the whole draft, maybe you do because you think, well,
1: if you're trying to save money, you do that. Yeah.
2: Well, maybe you right. think, well, I can get the, you know, number forty-four. What's around four? You know, if you can get that guy at forty-four, yeah, that's going
1: to be if he's uh, still good. available. Yeah. Awesome, take him, right? It be, be your, second pick. You know. Yeah. Um.
2: There are several other left-handed pitchers as you get lower, but I don't know. Uh. Do we have any? I
1: do. We. Yeah.
0: We're just. Well, we're just I think. Of-
1: I think really the the great thing about this is, you know, we can be having this debate about. What the Royals should do now, we can continue to have this debate for maybe three or four years before there's even a, even close to an answer. <laughs> right. So it's when, not like the NFL where you draft. can at least see after one or two years
2: that somebody's become good. You still need probably three or four years to evaluate an NFL draft class. <laughs> and so you probably need seven or eight years at least to develop to like evaluate a like you had mentioned. I think by 6 years is when you really start to see the players roll in. 8 years is probably like when they're stopping. You're probably rolling. not going to
1: get new people from that draft making it to the majors, right? Yeah. I just I just like the idea of having the same argument mm-hmm. 4 years from now without having an actual answer, so like it's still worth having the debate yeah yeah and then i don't 10 years later we could say like yeah i was definitely right about that or this
2: is one of those things where we need right. to go back You're
1: right that thing we talked about 10 yeah. years ago yeah you you had that
2: yeah it's this is one of those things where we should go back and look like yeah. five you know this is what we want to do with the nfl and we've kind of started doing it and in, in, right like let's what did baseball america say in 2015 what were the prospects and who were like who would have been the best player available would that have been A strategy to use, and would that player have? Again, this is based on you know their their their, uh their contributions and things like that are based on a completely different organization and what happens. So you know the maybe it's just maybe it's just developing that the Royals have a problem with, and maybe it's and and like we said, maybe for baseball it's all developing rather than or like eighty percent development and only twenty percent picking and maybe for the NFL it's maybe 80 picking 20% development
1: yeah well you know it's like but from what from what it looked like from what the you know the analysis that you and I had done on baseball it seemed like the royals are both bad at selecting and bad at developing and that's the really unfortunate <laughs> answer yeah uh because yeah some of the player the some of the best like pitchers they selected you know didn't sign Or were traded before they became major leaguers. So it's like you can't take credit for their development in any way. Like maybe you're okay at picking that guy, but also like three other teams picked John Gray before he was actually drafted and then was developed by a team and then became a major leaguer. Right. So, but that is talent selection. So you have to give a little credit there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's.
2: Yeah, it's hard to yeah, it's 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 everything's intertwined and it's hard to like break out those, you know, those confounding variables and figure out which ones are, are the are the important ones and which ones are the ones that are influenced by others and, and I use confounding variable correctly as a uh this is a biology uh term usually, isn't it? Uh where it works there. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um but yeah, I so we'll I don't know we'll think we can, you know we can look at it years from now, or we could actually go maybe go back and look at the previous years and see what would have happened. But We're like sure. you said, it's the draft is is maybe less important in baseball than it is, than it is in some other sports like the NBA or
1: the NFL, especially because I think it's less important. It just takes so long that you've like basically forgotten about it by the time it's relevant. <laughs>
2: I mean, like drafting well is less relevant than mm. it's like or drafting what seems like it's going to do because like, it's it's a it's a development game rather than a, a drafting game.
1: Well, especially now, the way that the, the restructured minor league system, I think it's totally different. This may be the first year of like a whole new strategy because you're more or less just drafting a team that's going to more or less become your low A team. Yeah, you can fill it in with, um, and then it, you're still going to have some guys left over from the current low A team, and then some of those guys that were there are going to move up to the high A team, and some guys will probably get, you know, fill, shuffled off, and
2: and you have these minor league free agents that you'll sign to like fill it in or whatever. Yeah, it's it's,
1: it's hard to say. Um, should we move? Do we want to move on to? Well So yeah, so next week we'll check back in. We'll go over what the what who the Royals drafted we'll see if um they followed one of the uh sort of formulas that that we've talked about today and and uh uh see if anything interesting happened i guess and hopefully they let's see, you you got the royals picking 13 pitchers i think i have them i had them at 11 i think it's 11 number. 11 10 the yeah the royals, so the
2: draft is from sunday through yes. tuesday so by when we air when we record again probably tuesday night um is the all-star game
1: it's it's All Star Weekend.
2: Yeah, All Star Game usually mm-hmm. is it usually Monday or is it
0: Tuesday?
1: I think the home run derby is on Monday, and then I think Tuesday is the game. Wednesday, Thursday usually off days then too. So I think they'll won't be back playing games until Friday, most likely.
2: The All Star Game is Tuesday, mm-hmm. July sixteenth. So it's it's a week. No, it's twenty twenty four game. No, wait, no? no, wait, no, wait.
1: That's twenty twenty four. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, July
2: July eleventh. Uh, yeah,
1: Tuesday yes, Right. I don't know why should, so, yeah. so maybe when we record next we will actually be sort of live streaming as we watch the All-Star oh, game.
2: Yeah, it'll be towards the end of the All-Star game probably when yeah. Get onto it. Uh, Most likely, yes. We'll see if uh his blister is healed or whatever Good. and
1: um pinch hitting while we're yes, yeah. discussing the Royals draft. Who is the who is the Royals All-Star representative, do you? It is uh, Salvador Perez, not surprisingly.
2: Remember just a few years ago, the Royals were saturating the All-Star game with players. This year. Because of the fan voting. But you know, it has not happened lately.
1: Yeah. So Sal was selected as a backup catcher, second catcher.
2: Well, he's had a pretty good season. Uh, and he's a, you know, a really good player. Um yeah. Did you know that Zach Grinke has only made one All-Star game for the Royals? All-Star team for the Royals? Didn't know that. Does that surprise you? A little bit. Because he was a good player on like a lot of bad teams,
1: it seems like. Yeah. Uh, he won a Cy Young, too, so it's not like... Yeah. He hasn't been recognized for his for his skills, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was...
1: Uh, so if, let me if he was the all star selection from this year, then it, then they didn't have any idea who to pick and they just picked the guy with the that's been around the longest.
2: <laughs> let me mention a couple, a few all star game royals, and you let me you tell me who the worst one is and then we'll move on to the NFL. Okay, uh, talk, there's not much to talk about the info. I want I have two, I two things to talk about for the NFL. Okay. One is uh, and and, and so uh, maybe you have another, uh, but. So, uh, worst Royals All Stars. Yes. So last year was Andrew Benintendi, not uh, who was okay, but like, right. um, but uh, 2011, Aaron Crow, that former Kesha of interest.
1: That was uh, that was the best one. he was uh referred to as Crow with the scent sign. Yes. <laughs> That was, you, the, that was one of like the Royals review gems that I still remember. That was that was just fantastic
0: work. I
2: I just googled Aaron Crow, and apparently there is a magician or mentalist named Aaron Crow. And so like I was really surprised. I looked at Google Google Aaron, Aaron Crow and look at the first pictures that pop up, and you say, like, I thought, oh my goodness, what's happened to Aaron Crow? But it was a. You think it's a different guy? I think it's a different guy.
1: Oh, that's kind of disappointing. I was hoping that it was. I don't think that's baseball
2: player Aaron Crow. Uh, but Mr. he is, I guess he was on America's Got Talent, this Aaron Crow. Oh,
1: He looks... Oh, he has changed dramatically. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, so that's 2011. Uh, so Aaron Crow, who was never really... a, He played... He was decent for... He was a reliever for a couple times. He was a first-round draft pick never quite um panned out i'm trying to find lone representatives um ken harvey 2004 that's pretty bad um one time royals also uh remember mike mcdougall 2003 was the royals was the royals representative he was a closer and was really good for a little while yeah Uh, he was wild uh but uh Uh, we have Mark Redman, famously, 2006. Famously. Uh, bad all-star, bad pl- pitcher. Oh. Look at Mark Redman's 2006 uh, statistics. He, in 2006, for the Royals, he was an all-star. He was 11-10, 5.71 ERA <laughs> all-star. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was, that, was, be- that
1: was the best they had that year. Uh, apparently, so maybe he started the year out okay, though. We can look at the game logs. Was that 2006?
2: 2006. I'll let you find the game logs while I go find, yeah, some more I can look really at,
1: the, at the splits before the all star break. Yeah, um,
2: some really bad Royals all stars. Jason Vargas made the team in 2017. I don't really think, I didn't think Jason Vargas was on the team in 2017,
1: was he? Yeah, I think that was his last year, I think.
2: I was thinking he had been gone by that point, but maybe he was still. Oh, he was actually, he won 18 games in 2017 for the Rose. That was his last year. Oh, yeah, he came back because he got hurt in 2015, and then he didn't play at all in 2016, and came back in 2017 and was a pretty good player. 18-11, 4.16 ERA. Good for him. Um, I was gonna make fun of
0: Jason.
2: <laughs> he did really well. So like I think um it's gotta be I think the worst are those yeah, um I'm gonna say well like okay, Joaquin Soria was at All Star a couple times were really bad teams. Jose Rosado, kind of the same. Um they would actually use they were good pitchers. But like, yeah, um the Mark Redman Two thousand six, two thousand six, yeah.
0: Seriously?
2: Mark Redmond, two thousand six. Uh, Gil Mesh made it the next year. Who's How could
1: DC? he have been the best pitcher or best player? <laughs> That's why it was.
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, so Ken Harvey, 04. Redmond, 06. and at
1: the, at the his, Aaron Crow and eleven. An my ERA of less than four point nine one was the lowest his ERA was, and that was after his second start. And then it was 72. Yeah,
2: that's how bad the it was. And then it was already. never
1: below five the rest of the season.
2: Well, yeah, Ken Harvey, I guess, at least batted 287 his year, 2004.
0: Yeah, but yeah,
2: he he only played 12 games in 2005 and was out of the league. And that was the year. Was that the same year he got hit in the back by that throw? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So those were some bad. That's like mid aught Royals teams were like the worst. Ever and then 2011, yeah, Aaron Crow was uh he was a decent reliever for a little while. Well, that that year he his numbers were really good. That was his rookie year. Yeah, he was a pretty good reliever. So he was actually a pretty good reliever for a while. But then he got hurt, I guess.
0: Then I he didn't have really like then he, he have like thoracic outlet so surgery
2: surgery or something. Like he yeah. played, he was decent even for the 14 team, and then he got. Like hurt. So like he, I guess that that's so he should be he was okay. Um he was an over number one overall draft pick, but or a number one uh first ninth overall draft pick, first rounder for the Royals, but uh out of Mizzou. And yeah, he was actually a decent relief pitcher for a while, for a few years, but then it unfortunately he couldn't kind of hold on until Royals were really, really good. Mm. But so I guess those the Ken Harvey, Mark Redmond, those are the number one, number two bad Royals. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I don't know. Speaking of, do, do, do you want to move move on? to football. Speaking of bad news, uh, did you hear about uh Tom Brady's investments? Oh, <laughs> no. Um, uh, so he uh apparently he lost thirty million dollars, uh, when FTX uh the crypto yeah. Uh, collapsed, and uh, he and his ex-wife, uh, Giselle Bunchen, combined to lose forty-eight million dollars wow. in FTX, and that just came out uh, this last couple of uh, yes. days. So uh, I think that's all of the.
1: Um... I I looked into like how what actually was the problem there. Yeah, and uh, I didn't realize like how da- it had nothing to do with cryptocurrencies. There's nothing, nothing that was not any of the problem at all. Because like an exchange shouldn't be able to like actually lose money, right? I mean you're just you're trading one currency for another and taking a small cut. Yeah, we're doing it. So like, how can you possibly lose money on it? But it it wasn't that that wasn't the issue. It was that he was taking money from the exchange and and putting it like commingling his assets with his with his hedge fund, and so he was taking funds from the exchange and putting it into his hedge fund, and that's actually what was. I mean, highly illegal and, uh, you know, caused the collapse of the of 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 the exchange, at least anyway. So, yeah, when I heard about it, I just assumed it was like a cryptocurrency based, you know, attack as to what was wrong with it. And it's like it wasn't. It's just a jerk. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Not knowing how to handle finances correctly. And uh, no, that's really bad. That's really dumb. Really, really dumb. <laughs> yeah,
2: so they lost. Uh, uh, before I, I write, I right, like, during their during their divorce proceedings. Basically, they lost about fifty million together. Uh, Giselle and
0: well, wow.
2: um, and Sam Sam Bankman Freed is the yes. uh, the the um the young um Madoff and <laughs> right. I, um, I'm not sure what ha- he pleaded not guilty. He's 31 years old. Do you think he is a bigger fraud, or uh, Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes
1: is a bigger fraud? Uh, yeah, I think the Theranos thing, I like, guess, it, it just ran away basically. But I think, I think she was trying to turn biotech into tech, and biotech doesn't run on the same. You can just like throw enough money, like a programmers can fix. You know whatever whatever like software thing you want to do, that isn't how biology works.
2: (laughs) I find find her story really fascinating because she was she's this huckster who I believe believed her own like bullshit, and like she talked in this really low voice and like 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 was hot and like screwed like old old billionaires out of a bunch of money, and then I don't yeah then like had this. Machine that didn't do
0: anything, <laughs> yeah. sort of
1: Roomba that. Uh, didn't... I think if you'd given it enough time, and it wasn't sold as being something that was ready, market ready, she may have been able to develop something that would do some of those things. Probably not in the mechanism that she was talking about doing it. But did you watch was, any of those documentary? Like runaway tech um, CEO pitch thing that just got out of control to where he, like he just, he just like biotech just doesn't move at the same rate as. Nonsensical software development companies do. Yeah,
0: did
1: you
2: did you watch any of the
1: the uh, documentaries on her, the HBO series? Or I watched the, I uh, watched some of the the Hulu series, series. the remake series, sort of of the of the events at least. Anyway, with uh, I hadn't seen the Hulu one. It was like the Amanda Safe Sey- was. Seyfried, the, yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Oh, Naveen Andrews uh, from um, Lost was 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 Sunny in that. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's right. They, that was a weird dynamic that those two had. I, I saw I saw the HBO series, which was really interesting and i've yeah. seen like some other like one um like 2020 type of uh things but yeah she uh just went to jail right and had like all the i had like two kids right before so they thought that she wouldn't like it was weird it was all very
1: strange a lot of very strange things about that all yeah and, and and if you talk i
2: was like the odd documentary was really funny because like this one lady professor that uh physics or something that from stanford like uh, like saw through her bullshit right from the beginning, and yeah. like nobody believed her. It was like all these like dumb men that poured right. money in because she was young and hot, and and uh. But there,
1: it's, but it's people are expecting things to work at the pace of like software technology develops. Yeah. So it was like the same investors that invested in technology were the people that she went after to go invest in this, and so their expectations coupled with the way she acted about it led to the situation that happened. But if, you know, if, if they had the idea for it, I think a product could be developed that does all the things, but it wouldn't be in the same manner that, that was the tech that they were using. Yeah. So eventually somebody will have a piece of technology that will do multiple tests from a single drop of blood. And it's not that far away, but it's going to get ruined because of, that experience
0: <laughs> internet,
1: which is going to make it really difficult to overcome that factor but it's 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 like the speed of the technology cap raise to product development cycle it, it it just cannot work in the biotech sector it doesn't move that same pace and you can't just throw money at it and have more programmers to like fix the problem it's it science doesn't move at the same rate as tech bullshit. <laughs> yeah
2: well that was the first topic that i wanted to cover yes uh, and it was was tom brady's crypto losses and crypto is, is is stupid anyway but um i think i don't know i don't know if, i guess it's bad, maybe it's a step up from nfts but it's well, they're in the they're in the same
1: vein at least <laughs> it's all like cuz most nfts are built on the same it's all bubble software, it's all bubble based like is. It's crypto- gonna burst, and you're all gonna lose
2: money unless you're the first person to get in and then get out.
1: And- Most likely, yeah, you'd have to like build some kind of, you know, exchange it's- cryptocurrency dollars for cryptocurrency, and the cryptocurrency to be used for something for it to have any value. But it's yeah. all perceived value. So if it's like tied to a video game or something like that. Like an in-game currency that you use, that you have to buy with actual dollars. Like it makes sense to me, at least anyway, how you could have value in a cryptocurrency.
2: I guess it's it's all very tulip bulb, uh, to yeah. me. It's, it's the it's it's that it's that you remember that Dutch uh tulip bulb market that became like this huge bubble. I guess we don't remember it was the seventeenth century, but like it seems something as yes. stupid as that to me. Right? Like, oh, this, tul- this tulip is really going to be something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in,
1: in, you know, a baseball it's, card. It's, it's,
2: it's, it's the beanie baby. Of, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things
2: to me. Yeah.
1: Uh, but um, as long, you know, if, baseball cards are kind of in the same vein yeah. as a cryptocurrency is, right? So,
2: well, if you're investing in them to like invest yeah. and like, get money, other than like, you know, your kid and just enjoys looking at baseball cards.
1: Right. So they, 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 they have value personally if it's something that you like, mm-hmm. or it has value as long as somebody else sees value in it beanie babies baseball cards you know whatever it is it's like those those kinds of things have you know hit and miss values over time right they they could spike and they could you know go to nothing though too so it's all, all of those things are in the same bucket right yeah 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 anyway, you had another story my other story yeah um
2: was that apparently. So DeAndre Hopkins is probably the number one free agent wide receiver, at least, and maybe the number one free agent um, player overall right now. He apparently is still in talks or at least conversations with the Chiefs, who have basically zero money in cap space. And Hopkins has basically said he wants at least what Odell Beckham Jr. got when he got that crazy $15 million deal. Which was way over market compared to what other receivers were getting at the time. Mm. Because I think the Braves just really, really wanted to keep Lamar Jackson and they ended up getting Lamar Jackson, so maybe it was a good investment. Um it, so do you think there's any chance that the Chiefs will get Odell Beckham Jr.? There's been some rumors that well, there was a lot of talk that a lot of like, especially outside Kansas City, the Chiefs wide receiving um room is not great. But the Chiefs seem like pretty happy with it with Kadarius Tony is probably the number one and maybe one of these young guys, um uh, Sky Moore, uh, uh Rasheed Rice or, you know, who knows, Justin Ross or somebody like that, um, will, will become their uh,
1: well, uh, is still around
2: too, right? Dallas is still there. Um they brought in Richie James. Right. Um they still have Justin Watson. I I I hope Justin Watson does not make it. I think the Chiefs will be uh better if he doesn't, but um That'll show that some of these other guys have have, have stepped up. I think. Um, yeah, I like the Richie James uh, pick. He was a really good returner, and he's also from from the Giants. And maybe just the Giants are just um, not good at evaluating or using utilizing wide receivers because Tony paid kind of immediate dividends, right? When he was healthy. Um, yeah, yeah. So we lost to Drew Smith Schuster. Lost. Do, of course, uh, Tyree killed the year before. Nicole a lot right? of players the year before. Nicole Hardman this year. Yeah. Uh, lost. Uh, um, Dr. Marcus Robinson, Byron uh, Pringle, all of these guys that were contributors the last couple of years. Um, Hopkins is still a really good player. He's Ooh. had some injury history recently, but um, do you think there's any chance that the Chiefs get him? They think they have five million, like five hundred thousand in cap space. If they maybe they re- restructure Chris Jones, maybe they can get five or six million, uh, more this year, is is that enough to get him, or are the Chiefs just fine with what they have? And this is just a,
1: yeah, I think I mean if he really wants fifteen million, I can't see the Chiefs, even if they came up with fifteen million, I can't see them giving it all. Yeah, to DeAndre Hopkins, not because he's not a good player, just because I don't think that they put that kind of money into receivers now. It's not just where they, where they're, um, you know, where where they spend their money the most. That's not where they, what they value that at that level, at least anyway, for salary, you know, they're, they're more into protecting Mahomes homes and, and more than finding somebody else that, you know, he has a rapport with or something, but it seems like he's, you know, if he has a rapport with the receivers, they have, they're not going to spend another dollar on receivers is my guess. But I'd be I'd be shocked shocked if Hopkins yeah. ends up on the it track.
2: seems like the only there's only been like I've recently there've only been three teams linked with the other Hopkins. those have been the Tennessee Titans, New England Patriots, and now the Chiefs. and it's been like the Chiefs were originally seen because everybody wants to go chase a, a ring probably mm. but it's. I, yeah, it's it's surprising that the Chiefs are still mentioned to me. So, like, you kind of wonder, well, if they're still being mentioned, there must, maybe there's really something there. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to mm-hmm. happen either. But, um...
1: you know, maybe if he's like, well, if I don't get the 15 million from somewhere else, then, you know, maybe he would, you know, if he's having to start, you know, changes, you know, dropping his expectation for salary. And if he ends up somewhere in that three to five million, you know, maybe, but I don't know. If the Chiefs are. I mean, the Chiefs will probably ha- be able to get that, but I don't know that he's going to want to sign for you know four or five million dollars. Do you? Yeah. No. Did you? Uh, well, so
2: there's been rumors that so it was the Patriots and the Titans. Maybe New England. New England has been the favorite, but did you hear that? DeAndre um, Hopkins was very upset about his visit to Boston because he did not enjoy his bowl of clam chowder. No. No.
0: Like, he follow,
2: was was he Matthew follows was mainly a plant-based diet and apparently New England clam chowder has bacon in it and he ingested bacon when he has like a very kind of strict uh plant-based and vegan diet during the regular season oh. And so I wonder do you think that will um uh you know, cause him to uh leave uh Boston yeah, I guess he's, Tennessee is the, is, the, is the other place like they don't, Tannehill, I guess, is okay, but, like, there's, I don't know, there's, there's aren't really great options for Hopkins, especially, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like, so maybe you just go, well, let's, I'm going to go get to Kansas City, because otherwise I'd have Matt Jones throwing to me.
1: That's where I thought you were going with the uh, clam chowder. Like he was disappointed the clam chowder had nothing to do with that. He was sitting across the table Perfect.
2: from Jones. I thought Thanks, I thought
0: that's my, what. He said.
2: Well,
1: I would be very disappointed in
2: anything Michael <laughs> McCorkle Jones does. I think he is not very good. So I will be. I will. I will eat crow, uh, or Aaron, not um, or crow chowder or whatever. Yes. Um, if if Jones is actually a decent, because I, I think he just kind of.
1: So, oh. so if well, yeah, how many receiving yards would DeAndre Hopkins have to get with Mac Jones's quarterback for you to eat Crow Chowder?
2: Well, I don't know if it matters how many receiving yards DeAndre Hopkins would do. So, I think Mac Jones would just throw to DeAndre Hopkins, and that's the only guy he would throw to because, yeah, maybe he throws there's Juju there. They have some good players there, yeah. In receiving court, but I just don't think Mac Jones is good, and yeah. like they were trying to blame last year on. Like Matt Patricia being hired and and stuff like that, but like Bailey Zappi was just as good as Mac Jones with yeah. the supposedly crappy offensive coordinator, and so why wouldn't Bailey Zappi be just as be better if he had a better offensive coordinator? Than Bill O'Brien, I I think I think Mac Jones is just like he went to Alabama and was a high. I, guess, I don't think he won the Heisman. Maybe he did, uh, but he was just a, like he had like the best team around him. And like, I don't think he, like, I don't think he's really a step above any other Alabama quarterback they've had. Um, and none of those guys have really been great, great in the pros. So yeah. I just, and I just think he's a, I'm just, I, I just don't, I just, I'd say he's my least favorite, one of my least f- favorite players. And so I root against him, him actively, McCorkle, him and Aaron Rodgers now, I guess, are my two least favorite. Um, Michael McCorkle, Jones, but anyway, I, I, so, like, if I guess the only thing that would, if, if, if the New England, if the Patriots made the playoffs and Jones was a pretty good quarterback, that would make me eat crow, but, uh, but that's, I think that's a, a long shot. I, I, I would say Aaron, uh, I would say Jordan Love has a better chance at being a good player than Mac Jones. That's my, because he's, un- he's unpredictable. But we're, we're. I think, I think we're. We can, we can talk about that. Uh, maybe the, we can talk about that on, on our next episode of of uh, War and Trick Power. Hour. Do you want? Do, should we wrap this one up? Because I think right. we're bringing everybody down talking about Mac Jones. And
1: uh... <laughs> I mean, we've talked about how terrible the Royals are for like an hour or so. Oh yeah, that was, the was Mac Jones. We era. went
2: much longer today than I thought either of us thought yeah. we were going because. Uh, but we always managed to fill time somehow with our. uh witticisms and insights uh but we'll have what uh our viewers or and our or our listeners should know that since we were a little late because of fourth of july we will be coming back at regular time next week so uh you'll only have a few days between these winter power our episodes so so uh you know your your long wait this week will uh be evened out by a short oh shorter wake shorter wait for next week's episode uh, do you have anything to add uh before we sign off dr Scaff? I think so. Yeah. well this has been another very 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 exciting uh episode installment of the warning Trek power hour four varies i mean i said five i don't, I don't remember how many varies there were you were counting um <laughs> but we're unfortunately we have to uh call it a night and uh we will uh see you or or uh you will you will hear us again uh in a few days time um uh, but as always, I am Dr. Michael Lerman. He is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are the Warning Track Power Hour. Please like and subscribe to our uh, little podcast or YouTube channel. And we appreciate uh, your viewership and listenership. And we hope that you had a wonderful uh, Independence Day holiday and are having a nice uh, summer and uh, enjoy the Major League Baseball draft, the Major League Baseball All-Star game, and we will see you again next week and
0: until then we wish you good day